Plane Lab, a podcast for anyone interested in RC airplanes. We'll share tips and tricks on how to build models and talk about successful flights, epic crashes, and everything in between. Visit us at rcplanelab.com to sign up for our email list and to ask us questions. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Well, what a week. Yeah, I know. It's been so it's been hot. It's been hot, and it's been busy. I yeah, mean, like, it really has. Really, like, stressful busy. But that's okay. Yeah. You know, now we're finally down here. We're finally recording. We're having some fun, and it's just going to be a wonderful hour. Yeah, I think so. And I'm not bundled up like a burrito. It's <laughs> nice it's, and comfortable it's down it's here. it's hot in here. <laughs> comfortable i'm sweating i'm sitting in here in my speedo well we did just come inside from outside <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's running, usually how it happens running yes. the telemaster with its brand new ignition yeah and, and that was uh, uh um I promising am, i am cautiously optimistic cautiously that's the best promising it's, that's yeah that's the best it's run i feel like and that might just be me being really optimistic but i i feel pretty good about how it ran just a few minutes ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it'll be good. Yeah. Now, we've thought that before. Well, that's true. I've thought that before. I no, mean, I have too. I called it finished. You um, did. But I, I think we're a step closer to actually being finished now. Well, there's really not much left to replace. No. And I, I, mean, I have a feeling if, if we get this out and fly it again um, and it doesn't work, it's probably just goodbye. <laughs> No, I'm no? not ready to throw it away. Oh, no, you're not? Or okay. To be rid of it. I'm just saying that if if this particular setup doesn't um, agree with us, then I will resort to the previous, one of the previous setups. Oh. That we know worked before the crank failure. Okay. So if we do that, then it's going back to being stored at your house. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm logistically going through my. Yeah, I know. I, I saw head. you're like looking at the ceiling, like, well, how do I do am that? I'm going to put this. Uh, it's a big airplane, but okay. I mean, that's fine. So, gas, like gasoline, stays here. Nitro goes there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good. So, that's that. Yep. Hopefully, uh, um, this coming weekend, <laughs> hopefully, we get to take it to the field and hopefully we'll have something uh, more positive on our next episode. Something to report. I'm really hoping. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think we'll be okay. Like I, 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 really... I really feel like a failure. <laughs> I mean, you, you let's should be honest. You should. I mean, I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but yeah, I'm. Well, although, hold on though, it's not all been your fault. Like the crank failure, I don't blame you on that one. You could not have known that was going to happen. So yeah. you, you're absolved of that one. Of that one. Of mm-hmm. one of five. I'll uh, I'll absolve you of the first one also, because you didn't know the ignition was going to have a problem with that. R- well, no, I'm not. I'm I'm going to give you blame <laughs> on that one. You're going to go ahead and blame just okay. because I don't think that engine, especially after seeing it mounted, was the right size for that plane. That was a 30 cc that stuck out like 18 and a half feet from the front of the <laughs> firewall. I mean, like, I, I think it changes center it's a of gravity about large seventeen inches. Engine, yeah. So, I'll, I'll give you that one. But you that, went ahead and mounted it. You told me to. I don't know what I'm doing. 
Like I fully, I'm like washing my hands of any okay. knowledge of this because I'm dumb. I mean, you're you're my tutor. Oh gosh, <laughs> I don't think I like the sound of that. I'm the student, so well, you are a horrible student. <laughs> I'm just I never said I wasn't. But anyway, yeah. I've, so I I do. I feel I feel like confident. The thing is just well now, yeah. <laughs> Spit it out. It's okay. But it's okay. No, you want to say, say. You want to say, say. I feel it's like done. a buffoon is what I feel like because oh. this thing should be, have been running. I feel uh, like weeks ago. I really don't worry about it. You you want to say it's finished and you want to call it. Uh, well, uh, yeah, and, I want to. But I think you you're ready to. No, no, no. I'm not. Still, no. Okay. Until okay. Until we are at the field. Until I fly it. Until you have yes. So had your turn at the sticks. Let me ask you this. I fly it. Yes. Works fine. Yes. You know, we're happy with it. Yes. You take it up again and it dies. Are we done? Do you still call it finished? Is that a whole new problem? Is me flying it I think you what constitutes it. finished? Yes. Yes. Completion is you flying it, take off to landing. Okay. One successful take off to landing. Complete. Okay. Anything after that is just a... A consequence of use. <laughs> okay. So if I don't fly it for like six months, it's not done for that long. You could get a hundred flights oh. in on it. Oh, yeah. See? I don't... Well, but I could call it done at that point because technically if I've flown it successfully and it's proven to be reliable, I am okay with calling it done. Done season. Whether or not you have flown it. Now, okay. if it, Then if it fails while you're flying it, then it's your fault. Okay. After, well, after I... After I have proven it. Oh, okay. We'll I mean, cross we'll cross that bridge. Hopefully if, we get to cross that bridge. I don't want to cross that bridge. Well, hopefully I'd rather we cross have it a work. Bridge. I would like the thing to fly in, yeah. in you on the sticks. Well, we will. We'll we'll get it. Like I said, I don't know about this weekend because I don't know what the whole everything's going on yet, so I don't want to promise anything. Yeah. But we'll definitely Fair do enough. that. Maybe one day after work we all just run out, like on a Friday night or something like that. Just that's not a bad idea. Throw it in a car and I'll meet you there after work. Yeah, because we get bad. off close enough to the same time. That's true. But but we'll see. Yeah, that's not for us to worry about now. Nope. Right now we're going to talk about the duelists. <laughs> Guess what I did? What? I crashed my duelist. Wait a minute. Right. You crashed your duelist already? Well, the thing's I, not even I, built yet. I broke it. <laughs> So here's the thing. Um, I'm what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? I I mm, I like to make things difficult. Yes. That uh, shouldn't be difficult, I guess. So okay, if you uh, if you go to the website and look, Tom has pictures that he he posted of these nice little wing weight bags. Well, hold or, on, okay. wing weight bags. Okay, we'll come back to that. I did not post the pictures. Uh, Everybody who's listening. Just needs to know that Ron is the one that is posting the pictures for me because I am technically illiterate when it comes to <laughs> doing stuff online. So let's let's credit where it's due. Ron has posted the pictures for me. That's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It's, weight bags. It's weight bags. Yes. That's what we call them? Well, that's what you just called them, I think. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to say? What term? Shot bags? Shot bags. Yeah. That's what I call them. Weight bags makes more sense. I suppose it does. What is Shot. Well, like steel shot out of like, you know, shotgun shells. But they're BBs. Yeah. So they're BB bags. BB bags. BB bags. Ooh, I like that's fun to say. Anyway, so if you look <laughs> on the website, you can see these little bags that, uh, weight bags, weight sacks that Tom has made, <laughs> that Tom has made out of, <laughs> out of, 
Ooh, that Tom has made out of uh, BBs yes. and a food saver machine. Yeah. So these are very handy bags that I do not have because, um, you know, I just haven't gone to the store to get BBs yet. And since I live in the country and didn't want to go do that, I tried to find another way to glue my uh, the, the sheeting to the wing. Yep. Well. Which I really like where you were going with this. I really do. Oh, do you? I do. Okay. Because I thought it was a good idea. No, it's a fantastic idea. However, <laughs> yeah, you might need to it, do more than one at a time. So here's what I did. The time that we went to the uh, to your friend's house where I got this Adjusto jig, mm-hmm. he was also getting rid of, um, oh, what's it called? A, uh, a vacuum Like a machine. vacuum bag. Not like a vacuum former, but it's a- Oh, yeah. Like a vacuum bag. Like a vacuum bag. pump. Yeah, for, for doing uh, foam core wings. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know what? This isn't foam core, but it's the same principle. So I got all of that out and tried to look over the directions and stuff, which the directions are kind of boring. You know, there's a lot in it that didn't apply to me. Right. Um, Because it's just a bag with a vacuum pump. So I figured I can figure that out on my own. I did, however, figure it out on my own. So here's what happens. I got the... Wing, I, so I finally took the wing off the Adjusto jig, right. so that is no longer connected to that. Um, and I was going to put it in that bag and just see if I could vacuum that down and see how well I could get it to work, because I'd never used it before, right? Right. So I got that set up. Interesting that you would choose your brand new constructed <laughs> wing to test this on, not maybe just throw maybe a pillow in the bag and see what happens, but okay. Well, but I mean, I knew it's going to suck the air out. Oh. So, okay. I mean, I understand the well, principle right, of what's going to happen. So okay. I wanted to make sure it would work with that. And I was very careful. So I, I put it in there and I sucked all the air out. I mean, I'm pretty sure our listeners know where I'm going with yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's pretty... It is. But for those that haven't figured it out yet, <laughs> here's what happened. So I did it just plain. So just plain, get it? Just with just the plain, wing. Yeah. Um, just P-L-A-I-N. with the ribs. Just with the ribs and with the, the spars. And no sheeting. No sheeting, correct. And put that in there. So open structure. Sucked it down. In the bag. And it worked great. Um, I think it set like the, uh, uh, the dial on it or the vacuum gauge is supposed to turn on anything under five inches of mercury is supposed to turn on when it hits eight inches of mercury is when it shuts off. Oh, that's handy. I think that's right. Yeah. So it's a, it regulates itself. Yeah. Oh, so it doesn't cool. constantly. I didn't know it did that. That's suck. Yeah. cool. So it doesn't constantly suck it out. I got to like between six and seven. I was like, oh, this is working perfect. No big deal. I'm going to take it out. Just dry fit. So I, I see I was smart enough not to actually glue it yet because I wanted to see like if I tacked the back end of the wing you know, the, the wing sheeting, sheeting, if it would actually pull that sheet down and follow the curve to the front of the wing. So I put that all back inside. You look like you have a question. Um, go ahead. Okay. So I put that all back inside, turned the pump on, got it all sealed up, and it sealed down. And I tell you what, it got up to this little five inches of mercury and stuff, and it just sucked that the, the bag down and just pulled it over there perfectly. So it pulled the sheeting down tight against the ribs. Against the ribs and against the leading edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have sheeting on the top and bottom, or were you just using... No. So I just had one sheet on it. Okay. Probably was my problem. But it was doing a really good... It was beautiful. Really? I mean, like, actually, I was impressed with it. I was, like, excited. I was yeah. almost getting giddy. Like, I would be, too. This is going to work this great. this is not a, not a procedure I enjoy doing, sheeting wings. And that's... Right. That's the problem. See, I don't want to have to pin it. 
right. and have a whole bunch of holes in it. Because you don't and have the cool weight bags. Because I don't have the cool weight bags that somebody right. else has. But anyway, so getting back to my story. So as I was doing that, it was sucking down really nicely. Like I said, I was kind of keeping an eye on that gauge. Yeah. It was getting up to the 6-7 area again. And I was like, cool. I don't need to worry about this anymore. This is how I'm going to do it. Well, then as I was kind of reaching over to turn the pump off, I heard a crack. Oh. And I was like, uh, what was that? And then all of a sudden, like three or four more cracks, like just in quick succession. And my brain went into stupid again. And I couldn't <laughs> remember how to turn this thing off. Like it's plugged in right there and there's a switch, but I cannot remember how to do it. I'm just watching my wing like crumble. Brain went stupid. <laughs> I love that. So I finally got it undone and, and got the bag open to where air was getting back in it. And I think there's one, two, three, four, five, probably five or six actual wing ribs that uh, broke off. Splintered, yeah. Splintered pretty bad. Um, So I haven't decided yet how I'm going to fix that. I can either redo the whole wing, just throw this away and start from scratch, or I could just use super glue to glue them back together because that's the nice thing about balsa. When it breaks, it's usually a pretty easy puzzle piece to put back together. Yeah, especially I've looked at it and those are going to be... Super easy to to fix. You think so? Oh, yeah. So the other problem, though, I did, and this is just me being stupid, um, and I guess not reading the plan right or not being familiar with it, apparently there's supposed to be dihedral in that wing, which, by the way, thank you for telling me that the first time you saw me building it when I still could have put dihedral in it. Well, I assumed, which I, you know. Don't assume with me. I shouldn't assume. Uh -uh. I shouldn't assume anything ever, really, but. True. uh, Because in your cut file not maybe not the cut file but the but the cut file that you printed for me here a ways back before you actually started cutting when i traced it yeah yeah has as part of the cut file a wing root rib angle it says wing root i I don't remember what it said but it was wing root something it didn't say any gauge that's supposed to set the root rib at the correct angle so when you join them you get the correct dihedral i wish it would have told me that like i know you say it does but i didn't know that's what that meant you're right i I probably to be honest you know that your jig is so cool because it can do the dihedral i I know it would have been so easy because i didn't even think about checking the number on it before you started gluing them it would have been so easy at that time to do it but here's the thing so I'm reasonably certain that the dihedral that is built into this wing is because, not because it needs any of that self-riding stability kind of stuff that dihedral normally gives you. Um, because let's face it, this is a, this is a pattern, you know, aerobatic type airplane. It's not designed to be, you know, aerodynamically stable, so to speak, like a trainer, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure the dihedral is designed into the wing of this airplane because it is a twin. And in the unfortunate event you have one engine out kind of a thing, you have that small degree of stability when you have asymmetric thrust from one engine running instead of both. Oh. It's there to as kind of a, an assist. And it doesn't hurt anything, you know, if you have both engines running. You know, a little bit of stability, you know, takes away a little bit of the instability that will, you know, yield good aerodynamics or good aerobatics. Uh, so in your case, since you're going electric, you don't, I don't feel like you're going to need that stability, that extra measure of, of safety okay. yeah. in an engine out because I mean, electrics 
on off, right? You, yeah. You're not probably I'm, ever going to experience an engine out with twin electric. Yeah. If something like that happens with an electric, I have more problems than worrying right. about landing. So what honestly. I'm what I'm getting at is I think you'll be fine building your wing just like you have it. I don't think so you So just need, a flat wing is good. Yeah. I don't... Okay. Well, and it's not truly flat, like, because it's tapered, right? It's, you know, the the... The root rib is thicker than the tip rib, so you've actually got a little bit of taper from root to tip. Yeah, but it's so, it's it's still it's flat symmetrical. Across. Yeah, 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 yeah. But okay. you know, relative to each other, there is a small amount of. It's not dihedral, okay? It's taper, but um, anyway, I, I I think repair what you have. I don't think you need to start over. I well, really that, don't. That's good. That saves me a lot of work. Well, I, I mean, mean, I wasn't looking forward to doing that to begin with, so. <laughs> I just, you know, time, Even though time is harder to find now. Yeah. So. Even though your adjusted jig is really cool and it does a really cool job with <laughs> I, that. I tell you what, I love that thing. Yeah. Like seriously. And so my plan, actually, I started programming my ribs for the fuselage. Um, that for Not ribs. Yeah, my formers for it's the okay. fuselage. Yeah. And Imagine that was that. the reason I wanted to get the, the wing off of that so fast too, because last weekend I planned on starting on that. Didn't happen, by the way, but that's okay. Um, so I got everything like programmed in order to, to laser cut the uh, uh, the formers. But there's always a but. There's always a but. Um as I'm like getting that that final like the thicker part of it is okay. So the way this wing jig works, if you're not familiar, first off go look at the website pictures and you can kind of see what yeah. I'm talking about. Yep. But it has two uh five thirty second rods that go steel through rods, yeah. Yeah, steel rods that go through the uh, like the wing rib or former or whatever you're going to be using in it. And that's what actually sits on top of these little, uh, I don't know, what do you want to call them? These little fixture things. Fixtures. Mm-hmm. That hold uh, everything. Whatever. Yeah. The standoffs maybe. Yeah. Oh, standoffs. standoffs. That's a good there one. There you go. Um, but these little standoffs that hold everything uh, true. It keeps everything flat, keeps everything true to the actual uh, jig itself. Well, as I was programming that, I was like, these look kind of wide, you know, kind of wide. I wonder how much room I have, you know, with these picture or with these uh, with these standoffs already. So I did some measurements. They don't fit. Oh, I can't. for the fuselage formers. For the fuselage okay. formers, yeah. yeah. Sorry if I said that wrong. No, that's okay. I, I, I'm just trying to Tra- make sure I'm tracking. No, that's fine. So anyway, they're too wide to fit with the uh, with the standoffs that came with this thing. So that kind of brings me up to my next point of. You know, I've talked about having a 3D printer before. Uh, We've actually had a few people reach out and ask more about 3D printing. I want to touch on that a little bit now. Okay. I love 3D printers. Yes. Uh, They have... Okay, so if you're not familiar with a 3D printer, you buy plastic on rolls. um, Filament, right? Filament, yeah, but it's plastic. Okay. Um, I'm a a novice when it comes to 3D print. I know nothing about it. So so you can get different types of plastic. The only thing I've ever really printed with has been uh, PLA is what it's called. I I don't know exactly the chemical compounds. Okay. Um, I know like... PLA? PLA. Um, I think it's some kind of like plant-based, like, I don't know if it's made of corn or something like that. Oh, I could okay. be completely making this up too. That's just something that I thought I knew. Uh, <laughs> but Fair I've enough. spoken incorrectly before. Uh, remember well, I called the... Once or twice. Remember I called the telemaster finished. Um, you, you did. You but, doomed it. Mm, it's not doomed. Cursed Don't it. say that yet. Cursed it was cursed it. before I said that. Well, I think it was 
Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no, but anyway, so with with this PLA filament, um, it's very handy because that's kind of like what you use all over for stuff. If you need something that's going to be a little stronger, you can go to ABS. Oh, um, okay. I've never printed with ABS before. That's a a whole different temperature print. You know, there, there's there's more that goes into it. Okay. But so this this 3D printer I have, I actually bought two two and a half years ago, maybe something something around there. Doesn't matter. For Cody, because we made him a deal that if he gets all A's um, for whatever year it was, we would buy him a a 3D printer because he wanted one at the time. Well, that was the best decision I ever made because (laughs) he decided, you know, he uses it, but not very often. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a toy that I use like more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, So why I like them, I ended up making, designing and making uh, new standoffs for this uh, for the fuselage that I could use on the adjusto jig. You can do so many things with these uh, printers that if you don't have access to like a CNC machine or something like that, these are small. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem is they take forever to print. I ended up doing four of these standoffs and it took 11 and a half hours. Oh, okay. Long time. Yeah, but... but- once again, you walk away. Right, exactly. So it's not like actual time that you're spending doing things. Yeah, because you can walk away from it, go do something else once you hit start or whatever. And it's quiet oh, enough to where it can print all night and it doesn't bother anybody in the house. Yeah, so you're not waking people up and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so most of the time I'll start a print, you know, before I go to bed. And then in the morning or when I get home from work, it's finished and I start something else. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I designed this uh, this piece and I'm going to have to print quite a few more of them, so it's probably going to be another week or two until I'm finished printing with with getting all this done. Uh, but the printer I have is a 7.9-inch by 7.9-inch square base that it will actually print, and then 7.1 inches in Z height. So that's how high it can, mm-hmm. or you know, how high it can print something. Um, I don't want to get into whole like how 3D printers work and all that kind of stuff because that's kind of not part of the scope of what I want to talk about. But just if you have any interest in 3D printers and you have any questions, if I can answer them, I'll try. You know, reach out and email me and we'll, we'll see what that or what I can do. At, uh, at Ron, Ron at rcplanelab.com. rcplanelab.com. There you go. But just do some research. Um, definitely buy bigger than you think you'll need. Like this was not the smallest printer that I could have gotten. And it's not the biggest one. I kind of went in the middle, you know, size wise. Yeah. And I really wish I would have gone bigger. Okay. So they're pretty cool. There's yeah. a steep learning curve a lot. Um, but really like the the program I use to uh, to do the programming and stuff for it, it's called Kira. And it's a free program that they have updates all the time uh, with. And it's just very nice to use. The other thing that I absolutely love about the, the 3D printer, though, so there's a website called Thingiverse. It's T-H-I-N-G-I-V-E-R-S-E.com. I've not heard of it, but I've seen it referenced on hobby websites. Yeah. If there is a piece or something that you want, most likely somebody else has already programmed it, and you can find it on Thingiverse. Yeah. Um, just trying to think some of the things I've done more recently. Uh, really have been more for my wife, but uh, we do hummingbirds. We have hummingbirds here. She does feeders. She has like seven feeders out. Mm-hmm. Um, she needs ant moats, which are these little things that go on top of the hummingbird feeder, like where you hang it. Okay. And it's just like a little pool that holds water 
That way the ants can't get down to the nectar. Oh, I got you. Huh. Found the file on Thingiverse. Somebody else had them, you know, designed up. You can download it for free and print them here. Oh, we don't. We did the same thing with uh, uh, the bird rest. So there's a little on the on the bottom of her uh, hummingbird feeder where the little flower things are. Um, I found somebody else had designed a bird rest thing that go on that. So what that is is just a, a piece that wraps around it, and then the hummingbirds can just stand on it and sit on it when they're eating instead of you know flying the whole time. Uh, once again, that was something that they had on there. Um, <laughs> So my wife now has to wear a mask when she goes to work and goes to school and stuff, and that was really bugging like the back of her ears. Yep. Well, somebody already had designed yeah. the little things yep. to go behind there to where it, it holds the mask but goes behind your head and then holds the, you know, to where it's not touching the back of your ears. Right. We printed like seven or eight of those, and those actually, uh, those were smaller and printed fast. So, I mean, it was like 15 minutes to print one. Oh, really? And that was kind of nice, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, your, your plan is eventually also, um, when we're talking about the trash can telemaster, your plan eventually is to cut a, or to print, excuse me, a cowl. Yeah. Which I I find that really exciting. Yeah. As, as soon as we get the motor figured well, out, right. then I mean, yeah, I plan when, on doing When that, that time gets here, because it's going to get here. Hopefully we're gonna, soon. We're going to yeah. get it figured out. But you can make that cowl whatever shape you want. Yeah. Like it can be a simple square to round. You can add a like a chin scoop. I mean, yeah, yeah, you can do all kinds of neat things with that. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what you come up with. As long as it's under 7.1 inches tall. <laughs> but yeah, it will be. I think so. I don't, yeah, I don't think we'll have any problem with that. Now, if we would have been doing that for the first engine that was on there, it would have been a two piece. Yeah. Because that four literally, piece. I think, yeah, was, it was like 18 feet. I think that's what you said, <laughs> how far out it stuck. And I measured it. Can you believe it? <laughs> No, yeah. but so that that's just a little overview for three D printers. Um, yeah, that's cool. They're very handy, and if you if you're a tinkerer or have any interest in something like that, just bite the bullet and buy one and play around with it. You will love it. Yeah, I I can. I mean, I'm tech technically tech, illiterate, technology illiterate. Yeah, but I even I can see the merit in owning one of these things. But you, since you, I have a friend that has one, I don't need to own one. You have a, a technology aversion, I, I think. I do. And it's not, well, yeah, I, I can't explain it. It's it's not that I don't want to learn these things. It's just that I, I set my ways, I guess. There is a lot that goes into it. Like I will, I'll, or I'll admit that. It's not, you know, straightforward and, and easy yeah. and just plug and play. There's a, well, there's a learning curve to it. And I it. think my biggest problem is I can't sit still. Like, I'm, I'm like you see me over here even when we're recording. I'm fidgeting <laughs> with a pen. Or I had to give you a non-click pen this time <laughs> because last right. year all you heard was click, 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 click. Yeah. Or last year, last um, week, all you heard was click, 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 click. Yeah, and, you, and if you ask Lori, I'm sure you know she would you know verify that uh, it. I, I have a hard time sitting still. Yeah. So sitting down and spending a few hours, you know, researching on how to <laughs> operate a 3D printer is probably not something that's going to be. See, I don't have that problem. Like sitting still, I am wonderful at moving. <laughs> moving, I have problems with. Fair enough. Um, but anyway, I, I I I can totally see the merit in owning one of these things, uh, and the stuff that you can do with them is it, like even you know a few years ago you designed a chicken coop that opened and closed automatically, and you programmed this Arduino thing, and I mean it, it was all Greek to me, but I was fascinated by it. Not fascinated enough to learn how to do it myself, but the fact that you had done all that yourself and hadn't 
I didn't use a 3D printer for anything on that. No, but I'm just saying technology in general. You embrace oh, it. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, and I tend well, to... But now why? Let's think about it. <laughs> I did all that because I'm lazy. I didn't want to go outside every morning and every night to shut up the chicken coop. But it, but it's not so much... I, I don't see it as being lazy. I see it as being a convenience to make your life easier. Smarter, not harder. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that... Yeah, I'd definitely rather put a few uh, hours worth of work in the beginning of something mm -hmm. as opposed to having to manually do something later. I think kind that's... Of like, kind of like the CNC machine. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, I think that's why the, the two of us... Uh, get along so well. Like, I don't want to say it this way, but it, it kind of works out the way. You're kind of the brains and I'm kind of <laughs> the brawn. Not not really that I'm strong or anything like that, but like, I don't mind the physical... You're the muscle. You, working with my hand, because that's what makes me tick and what makes you tick is the really intellectual stuff that I you know, have trouble with. So I think that's what, what makes us such a good team. Anyway, uh, my update <laughs> on the Duelist Project, <laughs> as you can see that on like, the pictures that Ron so uh, graciously posted for me, because I'm techni technology averted or tech, whatever, however you put it. Um, <laughs> you have an aversion to technology. Thank you. Um, I constructed my two wing panels. By um, the way, I'm going to teach you how to do it, though. I'm going to you're going to do be, what? How to, how to post pictures on our site. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so yeah, constructed them the old-fashioned way. He built just them right rolled on... his eyes, by the way, and just went on with his story like I didn't say that. Uh, so I guess we know that's not going to happen, and I'm not well, going to interrupt you again. So go on. No, it's okay. I mean, I you're, you're right. I should be able to to do that on my own and not have to you know you take up your time, which is in short supply right now. Anyway, when it's that's something the same that way I, for everybody. When it's it, okay. When it's something I could be doing, so I will. I will <laughs> learn how to do that. Um, but yeah, I constructed my two wing panels, built them right over the top of the plan without the assistance of a jig, um, which is what makes me tick. That's how I learned to build. So that is okay with me. Um, and I've got the skins all glued together or the, the sheets, I should say, to make the skins all glued together. And that's where it's at. Let me ask you a question. Okay. So you say you learned how to build on top of the plans. Mm -hmm. Cool. I have no problem with that. Um, but... Do you see pros and cons to using the wing jig? Or are you just like, okay, I know you said you had one, but I think you said you couldn't find all the pieces for it. Yeah, it's it's incomplete, and I've never actually used it. Oh, okay. I'll be honest. Okay. Like So then I, I guess my point is if, if you had that sitting at your house, one just like what I have, would you have used that or would you have still gone old school? For this project, mm -hmm. I, I so in the interest of time and something I'm comfortable with, and because this is a duelist, um, and I want it to be right, and I'm you know, right is is relative, right? So, um, in the interest of of saving myself some time and um, I don't want to say worry. But I, I don't want to learn a new technique on this project. So, no, I would say that if I had an Adjusto jig at home for this project, I probably would not have used it on the Duelist. Okay. Even if the ribs that were cut would have had the holes in them? Right. Probably not. Really? Yeah. The, I'm very... I've never I'm intrigued one. by that. Now, listen, if I had, you know, if I was building a, a Great Plains big stick 
or, you know, an airplane that, uh, I don't want to say I didn't care about, but an airplane that didn't mean as much to me as this duelist is going to mean. Yeah, I, I probably would have, I probably would have taken the time to learn how to use it and drill the holes or whatever you got to do to get the ribs to, to work. No, I'm saying it. if the holes were already drilled in this one. Even so. Okay. Um, okay. If it were an airplane like that, yeah, absolutely, I would have. Because I can totally see the pros. I mean, like, having seen it here with my own eyes on yours, uh, I'm actually thinking I'm going to try to find one of these things and, you know, learn to use it. Because it sure does look like it makes everything, like, I don't want to say perfect, but really easy to get really close to perfect, if that... No, I I, I, I fully understand what you're saying. So I... I um. I don't like to spend a lot of time on details. Like I'm I'm yeah. more of like a if we're building a house, I'm I'm a framer. I'm not somebody that's gonna finish drywall. Does that make sense? Yes. So I like to see something happen quickly. Right. To me, using that really helps um helps take away any of the problems I might have that I don't know I would have. Does yeah, that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense because you see it right away. Well, like, not, not only like, that, well, but, like, but I mean, you line up the ribs on this thing and uh-huh. you can see instantly how big it's going to be. Oh, well, I can see where I'm going to run into a problem here. I'm not going to have access unless I, you know, build this first or this second. Oh, I better add this in now because once this is covered in sheeting, I'm not going to get to it or whatever. No, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. I, and I like the fact that I can flip it over, work on the top and the bottom. Uh, the only thing I couldn't do with that on there is put that single spar on the bottom. Oh, so, because of the, the rod is because in the way. Because the rod is in the way. But and, once that was taken off, I can easily put that underneath. There's enough, uh, there's enough, uh, like the, the spars that are on there already are enough to hold that in place to where I'm not worried about it moving before I glue it. Well, plus you have two solid steel rods holding everything in place too. Well, not now. Well, but I mean, everything but that one single spar Plus the plus, I mean, you could even before you oh, even see. I pulled the. I, I see what you're saying. What I'm saying is, you could have went ahead and sheeted the top of the wing before you even put that bottom spar in. That originally was my plan, but, but you got but, excited. And well, I didn't it. have the weights, and I didn't know how to do it. So, so had I had I not had the or had I had the stuff on hand, I, I would needed, have been happy to run the weights I had out here so you could get that done. But well, and I, I thought about asking, but I just, I, I would have, it was like Saturday morning and I was like, I'm going to get this done. And then I ended up breaking it. So probably should have, uh, <laughs> but it can be repaired. It can be repaired. And I actually kind of like the idea of doing it that way. Too, I do though. too. I'm yeah. I, so, I think okay. That's... Here's my question then. Would you like, since I, I, I pretty sure the only problem I had was the fact that that bottom spar was not in and that's where they all broke. Yeah. So and you would, didn't have any sheeting on the bottom. Well, that's what I was gonna say. What do you think you would try it again by gluing up all of the sheeting, top and bottom, and then tacking it in place, and then running that inside that wing bag again? I would. You think you'd do that? Yeah, I would. Okay. Well, then that's probably how I'm gonna do it then. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Can you turn the high end of the vacuum down? Yes, and I will. Well, yeah. I, I mean, can turn it down to I three and five. five. I think five millimeters of mercury. Or, or inches. Five inches, excuse me. Five I don't know what it means, but I just know it says I HG. Yeah, yeah. Five inches of mercury. I think, well, you, you even said that, that once it started making the seal and started sucking, it was, the, the sheeting was coming down nicely down yeah, onto that. Yeah, beautifully. Yeah. So I think, I mean, yeah, I would have, I would have no worries at all. 
Cool. Then that's how I think I'm going to try it. Yeah, I'm excited about seeing that in operation because if it works for you, I may bring my panels over here and do them into you know do them separately. It'd be easier for you since you have two panels, right? And they're smaller. Yeah, because there's two. Plus, you use the C grade balsa. So, oh, and you're sheeting the whole thing too. I'm not sheeting the whole wing. True. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I am sheeting the whole wing, and you're going to omit the sheeting from what four out or something like that, five out. No, I'm going all the way down the wing. I'm just not, oh, you're just not doing all the way. Not back. doing the whole cord. Yeah. You are where the nacelles are, though, right? All the way back. Yeah. No. Well, how are you going to take up that extra thickness, and what are you going to glue the nacelles to? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to now. Okay. I mean, I, I've never built one of these before, so I don't know. Okay. Well, I mean, you. Okay. But anyway, um, yes, I would not have any fear at all of of sheeting it that way. And those are those are pretty like back that area that I would have to glue for the nacelles, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So I would have no problem just doing that without the wing bag. Like not putting oh, it in I a vacuum you. to do it when I do it later, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because there's no curve to it. Right. It's flat. Yeah. Or straight or however you want Okay. But well, yeah, cool. no, I, so. would, I, I, I think the vacuum bag idea is a great idea. And I think once you have that spar in and you have sheeting on the top and the bottom, I, I think it'll go swimmingly. Cool. Well, then Turn the I, vacuum down some. I will, but I, I know my next step then, and we'll we'll tell you next week how it goes. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully uh, we'll have good news next week, and not that I have to start over. Well, hopefully, we have lots of good news next week. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, like what? Am like, I missing something? Like maybe the telemaster flying. I don't here. think I'm gonna make it out this weekend. Okay, that's my problem. I already okay. tried to tell you that. Well, I don't you, think I'm. You, you can did. take it if you want to take it. You can take it if you think you're gonna go out to the field. But I don't know if I'm going to make it out. Well, I don't want to take it out there. Well, I don't want you to either. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, if you have some time, like maybe Friday night or, or Saturday or Sunday, maybe I can come out and we'll run it, you know, yeah. at, for you know more more time. Maybe a whole tank. That would be good. See what happens. Yeah, I'd be up for that. So that's where we are in the duelists. That's the update I have. That was a long-winded update. Sorry, yeah, guys. sorry, I... <laughs> tend to ramble on that, but I'm really excited about the duelist, and I'm really, um, I'm really intrigued about the about the vacuum bag. I think that's yeah, I'm really excited because I, to be honest, when it comes well, to sheeting wings, it's not fun. No, that's see, not, I don't. That's I not don't part like of it the, either. That's not part of the construction that I enjoy. Yeah, like the part I've done so far, the cutting the ribs. I mean, it's still better than a bad day at work, but. <laughs> You enjoy cutting the ribs. Still better than a good day at work. What are you talking about? (laughs) Okay. Um, No, but I enjoy cutting the ribs. I enjoy, you know, putting the spars on and actually see something come together. Uh, But once again, that's more of that finishing work that I just, I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. Like with covering, I enjoy covering. I don't like the trim work. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's what makes it pop. You know, if you do the trim work right, they look beautiful. Yeah. And the Telemaster does look sharp. Yeah. I mean, but see, I don't think that was all that difficult. So that one didn't bother me at all because there wasn't a lot looks, of cutting with it. It looks complicated. I mean, you like, because so? there's a lot of curves and a lot of, I mean, I know you've had some assistance with the curve pieces. With the vinyl cutter. Yeah. yeah. But like a guy like me doing that, you know, at home by hand, that looks tedious to me. So, I mean, it looks really good. I like how it looks. Yeah. But, so. By the way, we'll add pictures because I don't have any pictures of that on the website. I realized um, oh, yeah. we will we'll put because we did get some pictures of it flying that time you flew it. Uh, I will throw those also on the uh, uh, on the airplane pictures part of the site. So cool. Go ahead and check it out if you want to see what the telemaster looks like. Yeah. 
It's sharp. I like it. Me too. So shall we move into what I what I wanted to talk about? Yeah, let's move on to uh, plumbing. Plumbing, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that's uh, what we're doing, right? That that's what we're talking yes. about. Yeah. Uh, so aircraft fuel systems, um, gas and nitro. What I want to talk about because uh, we haven't really talked about it much. Honestly. No, we haven't. Um, and that was an issue that uh, you know we were curious about. You know, with the whole telemaster thing. You know, is our tank in the right place? Is it plumbed correctly? Are we using the you know the right fuel line? Blah 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 blah. Lots of stuff. And we never and by we. You mean you? Because I, mean, I was like, "What? Well, you tell me what to do. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm the student. My <laughs> I'm teachers such a failed terrible me. Terrible teacher. Uh, so anyway, I thought maybe <laughs> since uh, since you know we haven't really addressed it, I thought maybe it might be a good subject to talk about. Good idea. So for all of us nitro and gas guys, mm-hmm. um, I have fuel, gas. I fuel, like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a gas kind of guy. Oh, you I have meant. gas. <laughs> uh, I'm here to affirm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, anyway, we don't need to go down that road, I don't think. Um, So your fuel tank, right? Um, Most nitro guys who have been nitro guys for a while are going to understand the concept of keeping your tank center line in line with the fuel nozzle of the carburetor. And if you're not familiar with that, it's just a simple matter of taking where the center line of the tank is, usually where the stopper is located, um, making motions with my hands a stopper. Um, but that should be in line with the spray bar and the carburetor as much as possible. Take a step back. What's a spray bar and a carburetor? I'm glad you asked. when I see a carburetor, I see the little top thing, you know, with the air intake, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know what you're talking about as a spray bar. So if you look down into the carburetor, mm-hmm. assuming, the you can, assuming you can see down into the opening, usually somewhere in that black hole of an opening, there is something sticking out in the middle of it. And sometimes they go all the way across. Sometimes they just poke halfway through. Every you know, every carburetor is not made exactly the same way, but that thing sticking out into the into the void of that open throat of the carburetor is the spray bar, or uh, at least the place where the fuel gets atomized with the air that's coming in the venturi of the carburetor. Okay. And you want to have that as close as possible, or as much as possible, in line with the center line of the tank. Why? On a non-pumped engine. Because um, we can run into issues like siphoning. So if the tank center line is higher than that spray bar, fuel will tend to want to run to that, whether the engine is running or not. So um, can cause issues like kind of like what we were experiencing with that ASP-91 that we tried. Mm-hmm. Um, fuel, was we never seemed to be able to get the thing to run right at low, and the low end, and then when we got that fixed, it wouldn't run right on the high end because it was getting an inconsistent fuel supply. And then when you add muffler pressure to that, then you're, you know, you're just making the problem even worse because then you have all this extra fuel that's trying to run away from the fuel tank to the carburetor. Now we're pressurizing the tank, so now we have even more. So yeah, if your fuel tank's too high, uh, that can cause that sort of siphoning problem. Also, conversely, if the tank is too low, uh, the engine may have difficulty drawing the fuel from it because it has to overcome gravity. Um, fuel, I'm sorry, muffler pressure sometimes helps, but it doesn't always solve that sort of a situation. So it's important to get the tank center line as close as you can to the to the spray bar, you know, in line with the spray bar or the carburetor. So that's one thing you got to think about when you know when you're 
plumbing up your airplane and, you know, you're installing your fuel tank. Most of the ARFs and stuff, they factor that sort of thing into the design. So it's, it's almost, I don't want to say foolproof, but usually when you put the tank where they tell you to put it, you're close enough to make, you know, to make it work. Four-stroke engines are, are a little bit more problematic because, number one, most of them are hard to see the spray bar because, of, you know, the, the thing is pointing the opposite direction from where you're normally looking. So you have to either get under the airplane if it's inverted or if it's right set up, you have to get under the airplane to look up into the, you know, anyway. You so can kind for... of see, you can kind of assume that the center line of the throttle barrel, like where your linkage attaches, like the throttle arm, usually that center line of that, the end of that is going to be where your spray bar is. So all four strokes then are the carburetors mounted differently than a two stroke? Well, not that they're mounted differently. It's just that usually, so like if an, if an engine is mounted upright, okay, on a two-stroke, usually, you know, I mean, always the carburetor's right side up. You can just look right down from the outside, assuming there's no cowl or anything in the way. Right. On a four-stroke, right side up, the, the venturi is actually pointing down, so you have to look up to look into it because it has to go up. You know, it's, it's in the, the intake tract is going up to get to the intake valve. So it goes up and makes the turn and then goes down into the intake valve. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, yeah. I guess I never paid attention to mm -hmm. them. Yeah, all your Sados are like that and all your OSs, all the Y. I mean, every four-stroke I've owned has been that way. So the, okay. So then it's mounted upside down to a two-stroke. Relative to a two-stroke, right. Yeah. So, But anyway, you can usually always, well, you can always assume that the spray bar or the, or the, carburetor center line is going to be the center of wherever your throttle linkage is. You know, whatever that arm is connected to, the center line of that barrel is usually where the spray bar is. So if that is in line with the center line of your tank, you're golden. So two things to, you know, to keep in mind when you're mounting your tank is that tank center, excuse me, is that tank center line. And if it's too low, so you said if it's mounted too high, mm -hmm. you can have siphoning issues. What if it's too low? It, well, have... like I said, if it's too low, the engine has to overcome gravity and it has to pull the fuel up, right? So you could be dealing more with a like a fuel like starvation. a lean condition. Yep. Okay. Exactly. So and like I said, muffler pressure sometimes will will help or mask a a tank position problem, especially if it's too low. But you know, as as much as you can, that those two center lines should coincide. You want them to be done right the first time. Yes, exactly. And then that'll eliminate a lot of frustration and headache, you know, later on down the road, which I've demonstrated <laughs> with the Telemaster. Yep. Yeah. So so there you go. There's, there's two types of uh, fuel, obviously, that we use. We use gas or we use uh, glow. Uh, glow fuel, as we've talked about in one of our very first episodes, is basically alcohol or methanol mixed with oil and then sometimes varying... Uh, percentages of nitromethane. And then gasoline, obviously, is gasoline with oil in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so they require different types of plumbing. Uh, and I'll get into that. So on a on a nitro motor or a glow engine, uh, we use um, fuel lines and stoppers. Anything that's going to contact that fuel has to be specific for nitro. Uh, the reason is, or methanol, the reason is alcohol, you know, doesn't react well with certain chemicals. And those chemicals that are contained in most uh, fuel-type tubing or tubing, um, as most mechanic, like auto mechanic, mechanics can attest, uh, today's fuels, you know, they, they don't get along well with, like, um, 
neoprene, which is in a lot of the vacuum hoses and stuff that we've used in the past on cars. Well, now there's more and more alcohol in the gasolines we use. So they've had to move away from that. And so for nitro fuels or for glow fuels, we use silicone tubing because the silicone is impervious to the alcohol and the nitro that's in some of our alcohol fuels. Uh, however, silicone doesn't get along well with gasoline. <laughs> so then we have to use other types of fuel lines, in this case, Tigon, which is the yellow stuff you find at most like implement store, you know, like Big R, Tractor Supply, places like that, where you go into the, the small engine area. Um, and that is fine with gasoline, but it tends to harden over time. So it requires replacing, you know, frequently. So here's the thing about gasoline. I learned this when I was a kid. Um, so I don't even remember what it was. I think the, the lawnmower ran out of gas or something. My dad asked me to go get, uh, you know, like a can of gas and bring it out to him. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. I was young. So I went inside and got a styrofoam, <laughs> <laughs> a styrofoam mm -hmm. cup and went and put the gas in it, you know, and took it out just, just so we could put enough in there to get run or something. Uh, and uh, sure enough, by the time I got out there, there was no gas left in there and there was no bottom to yeah. the cup. Yeah. Styrofoam and gasoline don't get along. They do not. It just disintegrates. Right. I mean, it eats it up very fast. Yeah. And if any of our listeners are familiar with the with the old Byron airplane brand, uh, model airplane brand, they were, uh, they produced a lot of different kinds of airplanes. They had some fiberglass fuselage kits and they, but a lot of the airplanes they made were made of styrofoam and then you would either fiberglass them or what have you. Um, yeah, we had to take measures if we were going to be using uh, gasoline engines. They weren't as common back then, but uh, we had to take measures to protect the inside of the airframe from possible tank ruptures and things like that because of that very reason. Oh, yeah, gasoline that would just make would it go it. away yeah. completely. Yeah. Never thought of that, yeah. 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 That's I remember funny. those days. <laughs> Another thing about gasoline, too. Oh, my gosh. So when I was in high school, um, I bought my first dirt bike. And we were working on trying to get it to run and stuff. It hadn't run for a long time. And there, I was friends with a couple football players, bigger guys and stuff. And so long, long story short, we got into an argument about what burns, the liquid gasoline or the oh, fumes. Geez. And I told him, well, the fumes burn. You know, it's, it's not the actual liquid. It's and they the thought papers, it was the liquid, yeah. right. So we had drained this gasoline out of this motorcycle that had been sitting for several years. And I mean, it was, it was tarnished. It was varnished. It was, you know, whatever. It was that discolored Nasty. stuff. But, uh, but it was in a, a plastic container. And so me being as smart as I am, <laughs> I, took, <laughs> I took a lighter to it and lit it on fire. And it just burnt. I mean, it didn't explode. It just burnt. Well, I had enough time to tell him, hey... I'm right. See, that's all that's burning. And this is probably, oh, I don't know, a gallon of gas or so, give or take. So then it's in a plastic container. So what do you think happened? The container melts. Mm -hmm. And then that gasoline goes everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then that fire gets huge <laughs> in our backyard. It burnt our tree. And it, it, <laughs> it even melted the siding on the house. Oh, jeez. Really, like, badly. Now, my mom and dad were out of town at that time. Uh, I just remember my two friends running through, like, one from the back door, one from the front door, and, like, running into each other inside the <laughs> kitchen. And you could just see these orange flames through that back window. And it was just, like, 
I mean, I was I was a little freaking scared. out, very much so. Yeah, and then it burned out as quick as it started, and, and no harm done. But the funny thing, except was, for the melted siding, the funny thing was like I did not want to admit what happened, and our neighbor at the time was a mechanic, and he's like, you know, we were talking to him, and he said something about what happened. He said, "Did the 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 light catch that on fire that you guys had outside?" And I was like. The light catching on? Yes, it did. Can you believe that's what happened? <laughs> and so it's only been probably in the last three or four years. And I your finally... mom and dad bought that. Yeah, yeah, because oh, that's boy. what he thought happened. I didn't tell him I lit it because, oh, no. <laughs> um, and it's probably only been three or four years ago that I actually admitted what happened. Uh, and that they, finally came clean. Well, it's been long enough they laughed. Uh-huh. But, uh, it's funny now. <laughs> right, when it happened, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Go on. No, that's uh, <laughs> that's good to know. So it's the vapors, right, everybody? And mm-hmm. don't don't. Uh, it's okay to put fuel in a plastic container so long as you don't light the container. Don't light or don't the let container the container melt and let your gas out. <laughs> okay. So tough lessons learned when you're in high school, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so silicone fuel tubing for uh, alcohol, nitro, methanol, glow motor fuel, and then uh, Tigon for gasoline. Um, you may also find neoprene tubing out there, uh, which is what we used to use for gasoline. Um, not uh, not so much anymore because even our gasoline these days has some ethanol in it, um, you know, out of the pump anyway. Uh, and neoprene doesn't play well with ethanol. So now we don't use that. We just use Tigon. But unfortunately, Tigon over time gets hard. Gets brittle. And brittle, yeah. So... Um, if you have a gasoline-powered airplane, you should periodically check your fuel lines. And I would say every couple of years, I would replace all of it with fresh. Um, now, with, with a gas setup, like gasoline, mm-hmm. are you okay leaving gasoline in there, or should you drain it out? So there's two two schools of thought on that. Let <laughs> me guess. One is drain it, and one is leave it in? <laughs> right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Which one do you belong well, to? Well, there's... And so... And and to take that a step further, there there are those who believe you should run your engine gasoline. You should run your engine completely dry, to include no fuel in the carburetor. Um, and see, I've always heard that's bad. And see, and that's I'm a firm believer of leaving fuel at least in the carburetor. In the I, I'm I try to get in the habit of of taking the fuel out of the tank just because to get an airplane in and out of my house especially a bigger one, I'm turning it upside down, you know, right side up, you know, turn it on its side to get work it through the door and down the stairs. Mm-hmm. I don't want any of that gas coming out of my vent line and getting on my carpet. Okay. So I, I defuel it, but I don't run the engine until it's dry. I, I like to leave fuel because what's in our fuel, there's lubricant also, right? There's a little bit of oil, oil. which keeps those seals for pliable. Lack, yeah. For lack of a better word. Thank you. Pliable. Um, which malleable, malleable, soft, supple. <laughs> I mean, I can go on. Um, but, but that was an issue. Remember in the original, on the first carburetor, uh, on this particular DLE engine, <clears throat> that diaphragm was deformed because I believe that it was dry and it had gotten hard over time because there was no lubricants, you know, in, in, in its presence. Well, but the gasoline will evaporate after a while, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, but gas the oil will, find will not. Away, but the oil will not. Exactly. So you'll have that. that so oil I prefer left to leave at least in the carburetor um, some fuel. Um, but that's just me. There are guys out there that will argue, um, you know, to the extreme 
I'm the opposite. Now on a on a glow engine, on a on an engine that uses methanol for for fuel, absolutely. Dry, dry, dry. You want to get as much of that glow, but what do I do afterwards? We put oil after run oil yeah. into it. So because we know the fuel is hydroscopic. Exactly. And so it attracts gonna, moisture. Yeah. And so, you don't want any moisture in your engine. Exactly. Um so anyway, yeah, I, I prefer not to run them dry. I will defuel the tank and get as much out of the tank as I can just simply because I don't want that dripping on my carpet when I get it in in the house. But um, as far as the carburetors go, I, I am of the leave fuel in it camp. Well, like when you're finished weed eating, you don't run the gas out of your out of your weed eater. Nope. I mean, I don't. I when don't. I'm done using a chainsaw, I don't run the gas out of all that. So. Nope. I mean, I, you know, I don't think these You don't run the gas out of your car when you shut it off at the end of the day. <laughs> Hopefully not. I mean. Um, but no, I mean, you're right. And that, well, then we don't have carburetors on cars now anyway. Well, that's true. But, you know, I, I don't think there's really a big difference between the engines we use on airplanes and the engines we use for regular around the house. Duty. No. Yeah. So, well, they're, they're, I mean, they're derived from implements. Oh, know, right. From, yeah. You know, weed eaters and chainsaw. I mean, that's where these engines came from originally. So. Yeah, I leave oil or I leave fuel in the carburetor. Okay. So, um, so setting up the fuel lines, uh, I'm a big fan of the three-line setup, well, since we're talking about tanks, um, which is a feed line for the carburetor, a vent line to allow the fuel tank to vent as the, you know, as the level rises and falls. And then also I like to have a third line for filling, especially for um, engines that are fully cowled in or, you know, maybe it's not easy to get to the to the inlet line, you know, the carburetor line to fill the tank. And sorry, I just want to make sure you might have said it and I missed it, but this is gasoline engine, or is this? I do this for for all engines for oh, gasoline for nitro and nitro. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the convenience of having that third line is handy. But then, so instead of a vent, though, wouldn't that other, on a on a nitro one, wouldn't the other line go to the the uh, exhaust? Yeah, I mean, it's still called a vent line. Oh, okay. But it's a it's the muffler pressure line that goes to the vent in the tank. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then on a on a gasoline, it's just a vent. It just goes someplace convenient on the airplane to ambient air to, uh, pressure. Um, but I like a third line uh, to fill, and I can run that either outside the cowl with a fuel dot or just an, a line someplace kind of out of the way with a plug in it to fill. And that that line gets ran on the inside of the tank, similar to the to the pickup. So it'll have a clunk at the end of it, just like the pickup line. And I try to have them both routed to the, you know, the bottom of the tank mm -hmm. so that you can bring all the fuel out of it with that fill line. Yeah. And so then that keeps that line low for when you're defueling your airplane. Exactly. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so I like the three line setup, but you can certainly get away with a two line setup, especially if you're using one of those inline fueler devices. I think Dubro makes them, Gray Plains makes them, uh, a company called Foremost back in the day made some really slick ones that were like they folded out and they were aerodynamic. They were kind of neat. Um, and you can get away with that on a two-line setup, but I just like the convenience of a three-line setup. Okay, but now be honest. You don't like using those? I don't like using the inline fuelers. No, I don't. And uh, I never really thought about it before until I had problems with an airplane. Like we couldn't get it to run, and then you finally bypass that hose, or you know, you bypass the uh, the filler valve, the filler valve, mm -hmm. and it ran like a dream. Yeah, and the reason is because they they're great when they work like they're supposed to, <clears throat> but um, they're you know inside those things are seals, O rings, you know, things that have to 
have to prevent air from getting into the line and they fail. So, and when they fail, they allow air into the line and then that makes for inconsistent running. You can't get a consistent tune. You can't get the needles to, you know, to react the way they're supposed to. Which is exactly the problem we were having. So, yeah. ironically and enough. And usually you can, you can see it while it's running. You can see the bubbles usually in the, in the fuel line, you know, while it's running, depending on, you know, what color your fuel line is and if you can see through it or not, but. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the inline fuelers. I, they are convenient, especially if you if you just to prefer to use a two line, you know, setup. Because when you, however they design are designed to work, when you plug the fueling probe in or when you flip them open to fuel, they shut off the the basically the flow to the carburetor and open up another circuit that goes to the tank. Mm-hmm. And then you know you fuel it, and then when you flip it back or pull the probe out or whatever, it reconnects. And then, like I said, that's just another place for air to get introduced into the well, system. An, yeah, it's another failure point. Exactly. Um, so why would anybody want to set it up that way as opposed to just going with the three-line setup? Because really, three-line setup seems very simple. Um, you know, if, you, if you're into scale, like if you're building a, a scale airplane that you're planning maybe on competing with, or or maybe you just don't like the, the looks of an extra line that you have to pull a plug off of, like... For instance, on my P40, I just have an extra line that's ran out kind of at the bottom of the cowl, kind of, and I have it cut off sort of at the end so you can't really see it. But if you're looking at the airplane just the right, you know, angle, uh, angle you can see this extra line with a plug in it. You know, maybe maybe people don't want, or maybe people don't want the, the added um, complexity of adding a third line, which is really not that difficult. Um, well, but if they're already adding... The complexity of having a fuel dot or the the fuel the valve. The fueling valve. Well, the fueling valves are easy to set up because you just basically cut, essentially, you just cut your feed line to the carburetor, and then you add this thing right right there wherever you've made the cut, and then you have to cut a hole or something in the cowl or whatever to mount the valve. Yeah, but to me, like after hearing the difference between them, a three line setup just seems like it would be a little bit more work at the front end. Right. But so much, yeah. um, and I agree. What's the word I'm looking for? So less much heartache, let us heartburn. Yeah, <laughs> well, less I don't know frustration. What heartburn, but yeah, so much, yeah. so much easier in the long run, and less frustration to deal with. Yeah, and and I like the fact that once I've once I've connected the tank to my carburetor, and on a nitro motor, the the vent line to the muffler, or on a on a gasoline, a convenient spot to run a a hard you know line as the vent. I like the fact of not ever having really to mess with those again unless I'm doing yeah. maintenance and replacing lines or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then the only line I really ever have to worry about is my vent line or my fill line with a plug. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get to, it. To me, it's just like you said. To me, it's a little bit, a little bit, and I mean a little bit more work on the front end, but it saves, you know, potential Well, I think the, the hardest work on. on the front end is drilling another hole in the stopper. And... And that's nothing. And that's nothing. Yeah. And and usually that can be done by just taking the brass tubing and, you know, running running it through that hole. Because on like Sullivan tanks, the stopper there are actually three holes in the stopper. It's just one of them is flashed over when they mold it. Oh, and I didn't it's know it's very that. thin. So you can take that piece of aluminum or brass. brass tubing and usually just push that thing open and you're it's sharp enough just to cut through. Usually. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. So Maybe that was easy when I did it. I just thought I was strong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are strong. No, I think you're the well, you're the brawn, the, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know if I'd <laughs> I would have made I would have made it more difficult. Like I would have gone and heated it up and 
<laughs> or maybe gotten a drill bit that was too Here's big a handy and tip. messed it up. Yeah. So if you take, so brass is pretty soft as far as metals go. Yeah. If you take an X-Acto, a sharp one, you can usually take your X-Acto number 11 blade, a sharp one, and lay it inside and you can usually rotate that brass tube around that blade and you can sharpen the inside of the tubing. And then you, you can use that to cut that hole if you want to. Oh, okay. I use that to cut through balsa all the time. Really? Yeah. In fact, at home, I've got different size brass tubing. Maybe I'll talk about this on a future episode, but different size brass and aluminum tubing that I've basically just sharpened with an exacto, mm-hmm. And I'll use those to cut perfectly sized, whatever that is, in balsa, thin balsa. Yeah. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah. So most fuel tanks that you get these days, um, you know, Sullivan, Dubro, Great Plains. Uh, I'm not familiar with the more modern ones like these new Rotoflow ones for like the big gas airplanes, but I imagine they're probably set up to be three line and they have that similar little flashed over extra hole if you it's optional and i would go ahead and use it i like the three line setup myself um basically that's how my big yak was set up, set up with three yeah. line and that's, that made it so easy to fuel yeah that's pretty much how i think every airplane i own that's either gas or, or nitro is set up um but uh and then then yeah the last thing i wanted to talk about was the clunk so, you know, at the bottom of the, or at the end of the fuel feed line or your fill line or both, um, as a weighted device um, that is designed to be weighted at the end of the, the tube on the inside, I think, so that no matter what position you're in, the weight of that will pull that line down into the fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is usually, you know, it's made of steel, brass. I've seen some that have like these um, centered bronze, you know, kind of like an aquarium filter. Yeah, if you know what I'm, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with those, um, well, like a like the aeration stone kind of thing, exactly. Yeah, um, but just something weighted at the end of it with a hole in it that allows fuel into it to keep that line in the fuel, no matter the attitude of the of the airplane. Um, but one of those, you know, you should have one of those on both the fill line and your feed line, yeah. and then obviously your vent line is going to run into a yeah, you know, the top of the tank somewhere. Yeah, if you forget to do it on your feed line, you're not going to be able to drain the gas out of the tank. Yeah, I've, you know, it's funny. I've made this mistake on more than one occasion, and you would think, you know, I would learn after the first time, but I, for some reason, I never think about it. But <laughs> you know, I'll run my, you know, I'll run my three line setup, and I'll set up my fuel feed line, and it'll be a nice piece of tubing, you know, with a clunk at the end, and you know, just the right length so it won't hit the back of the tank, no matter what position it's in, and and then I'll run my vent, you know, and I'll custom bend it with my cool little bender thing so that it goes up into the bubble of the top of the tank so it's like perfect and then what do i do i just take a piece of brass tubing and shove it in the the hole and leave it you know like that <laughs> and expect that to work and it never you can fill up fine oh yeah but you but just can't take any fuel out of the tank so yeah don't forget to set up your your fill line exactly like the fuel feed line that and, way you can get all the fuel out and then you said, you know, you have to check your, your gasoline lines every so often. Yep. What's every so often? Well, I would look at them, you know, we talked about um, what you should do at the beginning of every season, you know, in one of our first episodes. Uh, that should be one of the checks is look at the fuel lines, maybe maybe give it a poke, you know, if it's still pliable, you're good. If, it's, if it seems like it's stiff, I wouldn't take any chances. I would go ahead and replace it all, especially this Tigon stuff. It's so um, easy to replace, and really. it's so cheap. Yeah. I think I think the last time I went and bought uh, Tigon, now granted, this is at a tractor supply company. Um, I think it was 99 cents a foot, maybe. Yeah. I don't I, even think it was that much. Yeah, and this I don't is think at a big, expensive. and you can get it on Amazon, I think. 
Well, I haven't looked, but I'm sure it's probably even cheaper than that. Yeah, depending on the size you get, I would assume. Right, right. Now, with uh, with the nitro line, then is that pretty much good forever? Yeah, I mean, I it's it's funny, um, and I'm probably gonna jinx myself, but <laughs> I have like on my contender on the old top flight contender, that is the original tank, and the lines inside it are the original lines that I put in that tank when I built that airplane. Uh, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, at least 15 years ago. 43 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but a long time. Okay. Yeah. And, and they are still, and the lines outside that are going to the Super Tiger that are, that's mounted on it um, are also, I think I may have like put a new muffler pressure line on because I, the different muffler that was on the Super Tiger was longer or whatever. But the fuel feed line is the same line also, and it's just as pliable today as it was two years ago. Yeah, see, when we... Uh, or 10 years ago. When Cody ended up putting the that Sato on his fun one, um, obviously we went through all that and checked it, and I just wasn't comfortable. I wasn't sure. You know, it, it felt like whatever was in it was getting kind of uh, chalky a little bit. Uh, so I ended up having him pull now, that Dubrow, off and replace when they, it. When they package it, they do they do package it with some sort of talcum on the outside. Yeah, of it. no, that's so that, that wasn't it, that. It wasn't that. No, because okay. right. that that plane had been flown before. You know, that wasn't a new line in there because okay. I've flown it with uh, with a different engine on it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I noticed that hmm. was weird. Okay. So we we just went ahead and changed it. Yeah. Um, and and silicone fuel line is really not that expensive either. No, it's in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. <laughs> if it's going to save you a, an engine out landing. Mm, right. Which is possibly a, a crash. You yeah. know, you don't want a dead stick if you don't have to, especially exactly. if it's to save a buck. Right. Literally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. And then last thing I wanted to bring up. Fuel tanks, like when you buy the tanks for your planes, mm-hmm. they work with both gasoline or nitro, correct? Not always. Not always. So okay. sometimes, like for instance, on Sullivan tanks, um, you have to buy gasoline-specific stoppers. Well, right. I'm talking about the actual tank itself. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the tank itself will work on both. Yep. No worries. And right. So then that was my next point then Sorry. was the stoppers have to be different. So what is it? The brown stopper? Is that so what I gasoline think on, is? I think on Sullivan tanks, it's either a brown or reddish brown stopper, I think, is the gasoline. And then the white one is the uh, glow fuel stopper. And then I think, read read the instructions in the tank, but I think, for instance, I think Great Plains, their stoppers might be dual use, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but, you know. Check to be check sure. Check to be sure. Um, and it will, the, the tank instructions will tell you if, you know, if, what fuel you can use with that tank. But I do know Sullivan's, you have to buy a different, well, you used to have to buy a different stopper, I think. It's yeah, I know the last time I used a Sullivan tank, it said that uh, that was for nitro only. Right. And you had to order a different part for gasoline, yeah. which it would be nice if they just throw it in there with it. Although, man, I'm telling you, some of these newer tanks, like for these big airplanes, like these Roto Flows, with the, the has the, the pickup that spins inside. So no matter. Never heard of it. Oh, man, they're neat. Really? I don't own one, but uh, yeah. I, I can foresee buying <laughs> one of those in the future because, man, they. I think it's Rotoflow. I think that's the name of it. There's few, uh, several of them, but uh, and they're crystal clear. The tanks are like completely clear. They they look like a Fiji water bottle. I've seen people use Fiji water bottles yeah. before. Yeah, so might be something. I'm, I don't I don't have any experience. So if anybody has any experience with those, let me know. 
if you like them or not, so with the pros and cons. It actually spins around? Yeah. So instead of having a flexible tank that you have to depend on getting in the fuel, no matter what the altitude or attitude, yeah, apparently the pickup is just this aluminum thing that goes down about where the bottom of the tank is, and then the tank can just spin around this thing, or this thing spins inside the tank. See, to me, that sounds like something else that could go wrong. I, me too. I how, how they accomplish that without, you know, without a, have a some seal. kind of seal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it would have to. But yeah, they're called, I think they're called Roto Flow. I think is what they're oh, That's yeah. cool. Um, but anyway, they look neat, look promising. If anybody has any experience with one, let us know. Nice. Uh, I, would, I would be interested in your input. Because <laughs> you're going to need one. Tom at rcplanelab.com. You're going to need one when you go with your 50cc little uh, that biplane. Biplane, yeah. Yep. Yep. Which is back burner, but yeah, eventually I, I may want a tank like that for that airplane. So, we'll find out. Yep. So that's really all I uh, all I wanted to talk about tanks. Um, three line versus two line. Now you guys hopefully understand what that is and make sure you're using the right tubing for the right fuel. Well, thanks for the info. Nice. <laughs> that I, was cheesy, but I, I liked slay it. myself. I'm the funniest person I know. <laughs> it's time for RC Plane Labs Tool of the Week. So, today's Tool of the Week, I have selected the Hobby and Craft Square. You were talking about how you use this to. Uh, when you were building your wing for mm -hmm. the duelist, you were talking about how you used that to make sure the ribs were perpendicular to the, the plan. Mm -hmm. And you said, yeah, and they're, they're so cool because they have notches on it to tell you the different size of balsa you have, and it has holes so you can see what size doll rods you have. Yeah. And I was like, I never knew what that was for. So I ran the, you know, the other <laughs> side where all my hobby <laughs> stuff is, and I grabbed it. And you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And yeah. I said, that is so cool. Yeah. I did not know. Handy little tool. Um, it's got a, so on one corner here, it's a perfect 90 degree angle. So you can set that on your building table and you can bump up your ribs against it or fuselage formers if you're building on top, you know, like a square box fuselage or whatever. Um, handy, handy little tool. And then like, like you said, it has these cool little notches. So you can check the stock width of your uh, balsa. Like if you have a piece of balsa and it's not marked and, you know, I'm not sure what's that. You can just lay it right in these notches. Oh, okay. It's three eighths by quarter. Or what have you. That yeah. is the coolest thing. It is. It's a handy-dandy little tool. This one here uh, that I'm holding is made by Midwest. Uh, I believe there are other companies. I think Zona makes one. And But anyway, it's a handy tool to have um, not just for building, um, but for also identifying different uh, um, sizes of dowel uh, tubing even uh, because it's got the pre-calibrated holes so that you can check those uh, sizes. Very cool. Yeah. So... You'll see it. I think you'll actually see it in the pictures you posted of my Duelist build. I think it's you can see it in the background. So, yeah, that's today's tool or this week's tool of the week, the Hobby and Craft Square, and this one from Midwest Products. Good deal. Still well, make them, by the way. That's the nice thing. Yes. You yeah, can, you can still buy this. Yeah. In fact, I think I think uh, the one I just recently bought was off Amazon. And oh, it's a really? Midwest brand, but it was off Amazon. Yeah. Same place I got my Midwest T-pins, although they're not T-pins. Are they the, the red-headed ones? Yeah, yeah, the ones we like. Yep. Well, good deal. Anything else? No, that's uh, that's all I got. Just wanted to thank everybody for listening. Yeah, I feel keep like we rambled. Pictures. No, keep those pictures rolling, too. Um, we've added, or you've added some new <laughs> pictures to the website. You're going to show me how to do that eventually. Yeah. One of these days. And I'll try to help you out by 
taking some of that work off your shoulders. There we go. Well, cool. <laughs> I feel like we rambled on long enough today. So yeah, I think so. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. And uh, don't forget to go over and fill out our survey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That helps us out by, uh, by helping narrow our scope so that we can better serve you guys mm-hmm. and girls. Yeah, it, it definitely will help make us better. So I appreciate any input you guys give yeah. us, good or bad. Yeah, and if you got something you want us to talk about, let us know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're always open for ideas because we're not very imaginative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends. Sometimes, I mean, if I'm honest. Sometimes we are, sometimes we're not, depending on what we're talking about. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all I got, Ron. All right, until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Good evening. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab Podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.